You're listening to teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to midtowncolumbia.com. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'm Aunt, uh, Pastor here at Midtown uh, two notch. If this is your first time, hopefully we were able to get a, a bulletin to you. We'd love for you to fill out the bottom of that and drop it uh, in the offering basket when that uh, comes around. We're in a little bit of a different um, space this Sunday. We have a uh, another group will be coming in to use the space immediately after us. So we're going to have to move through things pretty quickly today. Here's what that means for us. One, I'd love for you to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, number two, I really don't have time to finesse things today, so I'm going to have to be real blunt because I just don't have time uh, to, to kind of finesse around all the stuff that I got to say. So we're going to have to move pretty, uh, pretty quickly this morning. Uh, Quick recap. Last week, we talked about how the Jews and the Greeks in the city of Corinth were kind of placing these expectations on God and saying, hey, if you're for, for God to really be legit, you kind of have to meet our expectations, right? So for the Jews, they, they, they wanted a God who, who displayed signs and showed them that he was powerful, someone who would ultimately, they wanted to lead them out, out of the oppression that Rome had over them. And so they were, they were, they were demanding these signs to, for God to prove his power to them. And for the Greeks, they desired wisdom. They, they had all these philosophers that had already come through, the Aristotles, the Plato's, the Socrates, and all of them. And they, they wanted this, this wisdom of, for how to be successful and how to truly prosper in life. Paul told them that the cross is actually the wisest and the most powerful thing that they had seen, even calling it the, the very wisdom and power of God. So he picks back up on that same topic about the message of the cross in chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians. I'll start at verse 1. Paul says, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul saying, when I came to you, I, I, was like, I was like a one-hit wonder, right? You know, if you ever go to a concert and Vanilla Ice shows up, you know what song is going down, right? It's Ice Ice Baby, probably going to do it about three or four times. You just know what's going to happen. Paul saying, I had one song. When I was around you, I was proclaiming Christ and him crucified. Obviously, that means he's showing how, how, the, how the cross affects every area of our life. He's talking about what, the, what we gain or what Christ accomplishes for us in the cross, how the cross affects all of our lives. He's saying, I didn't come to you trying to impress you with, with my ability, my, 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 my oratory skills, or my eloquence, as many of the philosophers of that day would have done. Paul says, I'm, I'm not lending myself to just appeal to what you want. I'm going to give you what you need, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. Pick up at verse 3. He says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. This would have been a very big difference from the eloquent speeches they were used to hearing from their leaders and from those who would stand kind of in the middle of the town, so to speak, and, and, and proclaim their philosophies or whatever it is that they were teaching. Verse 4, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. That word plausible is often translated as persuasive. He said, I didn't come with this oratory prowess. I didn't come to you to try to convince you and persuade you with how good of a speaker that I am. He said, that's not what I came with. That, that was not my goal. Continue on in verse, in verse 4. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's saying, I came preaching the message 
of the cross, which he said in the last chapter was actually the power of God. So when he says he came in the Spirit's power, he's preaching a message that has power for their salvation, for their freedom from sin. He said, I, I wanted your faith to rest on that, not how good I was at teaching with this, with this man-made uh, wisdom or philosophies. He said he wanted their, their faith to rest on the power of God. He didn't preach in a way that they expected. Again, he wasn't trying to give them what they wanted or what they thought they needed. He was giving them what they actually needed so that when they came and joined the church, it wouldn't be because of how good he was at speaking or how good of a leader he was, but it would be because of they loved Jesus, because they loved the message of the cross, and the Holy Spirit had used that to work in powerful ways in their lives. Now, even though Paul says he's not coming uh, with, with the wisdom of men, he's not saying that his message did not contain wisdom. Keep going at verse 6. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So I, I appreciate this clarification by Paul. So he's saying, he, he's trying to let them know he's not, he's not one of those philosophers who were given this, this, this worldly wisdom that they were used to. But at the same time, the message that he is bringing is one of wisdom, but it's a wisdom that they weren't familiar with, a wisdom that, that God was revealing to them that they had not known or seen or heard of prior to that. Continue on in verse 10 says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. He's saying this wisdom that we're given is not a wisdom of this age. It's not a worldly wisdom. It is wisdom that we have received from the Holy Spirit. This message of the cross that he is proclaiming, that he finds in the scriptures, or at least we find in the scriptures, is a message of wisdom from the Holy Spirit because we know the word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, we are, we, I am proclaiming wisdom to you, but it's just not the wisdom you expected uh, or a wisdom that you already understand. I want to remember, in case you weren't here last week, we, we kind of talked about wisdom in terms of it's different from knowledge. So knowledge is how you might pass an exam or a test in a classroom. Wisdom is how you pass the test of life. Wisdom is how you apply the knowledge that you already have or the experiences that you already have to make good decisions, right? So, so wisdom, whatever you believe to be wise, will, will reveal itself in how you act and how you make decisions. So Paul is saying that we, we, we find this wisdom from the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're communicating to you. And the way we will know if we have actually embraced the wisdom of the Holy Spirit is not just in what we know intellectually, but actually how we live will let us know whether or not we're actually guided by and leaning on and depending on the wisdom that is from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to live as God created us to live. I just want to make this, this, this quick point, kind of a, a side note. Many people believe that the primary indication of the presence of the Holy Spirit is maybe something that you feel, but the Holy Spirit's primary goal is not to make you feel a certain way, but to make you live a certain way. His primary goal is, is to direct us. Uh, now, he's going to affect our feelings as well in that process, but the primary thing he is sent to do is to direct us and point us to Christ and thus cause us to live in his wisdom the way God has designed us to live. We'll keep going with verse 12. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So he opens up this category. He's going to go into a little bit more uh, a little bit later when he, when he says those who are spiritual. He's referring to people who, who are being led by the Holy Spirit, who are not just being led by man-made wisdom, man-made uh, philosophies or, or the wisdom of men, but by the wisdom and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Those who are spiritual are those who follow the leading and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. All right, that's the other category, the natural person. So he just talked about people who are spiritual. Then he goes into the natural person. This is referring to someone who, who, who would conform to the wisdom of this age, someone who, who is not being led by the Spirit of God, but, but rather by the wisdom of this age. Let's keep going. Verse 14 again. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Again, Paul makes these two groups. There are spiritual people, those who are able to understand the things the Holy Spirit teaches. They have received them as wisdom directly from God instead of, instead of receiving and embracing the wisdom that is of this world that will pass away, or the wisdom of this age. And then uh, on the other side of it, you have natural people. And this is not people who, who have less intelligence, so to speak, but people who embrace a different form of wisdom and thus a different way of life. They go along with the wisdom of this age. They believe in man-made philosophies. The wisdom of God that the Bible would, would teach, they, uh, that, that does not affect them or impact them. They would actually see that as foolish, Paul says in chapter 1. These are people who wouldn't see the Bible as the final authority of their life, people who, who, would, who would feel unaffected by anyone trying to correct them through the Bible and through the scriptures which are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And since the Bible isn't the wisdom that they find for their life, they will continue to live how they desire to live, again, instead of submitting to the scriptures. And here comes the part where Paul brings the hammer on them. Verse 1, chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. If you're familiar, as we've been talking about before, what's going on in the Corinthian church, Paul is looking at all the division that he sees there. A little bit later in chapter 3, he talks about the jealousy and the strife which he sees there. Strife being this bitter argument, this discord, this quarreling that is going on in the Corinthian church. He's looking at the division, and some say, I follow Paul, I follow Peter, I follow Apollos. And he says, I can't even address you as spiritual people. This is a huge indictment on them. He's talking to Christians, mind you. He's saying, I have to address you as, as carnal people, as people of the flesh, as natural people, and you're the church, he's saying. He's saying, I can't even address you like you're a Christian. The way I have to come talk to you as if you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you is what he says. As Christians, when we address each other, we should be able to point to the Bible, should be able to say, here's what it says. And from there, we fight through his strength, through his power to live as the Bible 
calls us to live, right? This is, this is Christian practice. We hold the Bible as final authority over all of us. We look to it as it leads us. That's, that's what we do. That's what we at least fight to follow that. And when we err, we repent, seek the Lord's strength again, depend on the Holy Spirit to be able to actually follow Christ the way the Holy Spirit leads us. This is the way spiritual people respond. But Paul says, I can't even address you as someone who depends or leans on or is led by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying that they're infants in the faith. I have a 10-year-old at my house. I know a little bit about infants. Sorry, 10-month-old. Sorry. Wow. I do not have a 10-year-old in my house. I have a 10-month-old in my house. Appreciate that. Uh, You can't reason with a 10-month-old. I don't care if your rationale and your wisdom is absolutely perfect. There is no reasoning with a 10-month-old whatsoever. You can't do it. I put my 10-month-old down on the floor, and everything she finds, she's putting it in her mouth. I don't care how many times I tell her not to, she's going to do that. She is completely dependent on someone always holding her hand. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go that way. That's going to hurt you. That's going to harm you. This thing's going to fall down. You're going to destroy this. You're probably going to die if you eat that. That's what an infant is supposed to be like, completely immature, completely not guided by wisdom and thus needs the help of someone who is more mature, holding their hand at all times to lead and guide them. She's unaffected by wisdom and reasoning. Paul is saying, spiritually speaking, I have to talk to you like you're an infant, like you're a baby. Like I should be able to talk to you like you're more mature, like you can understand what true wisdom really is, but I can't address you that way, Paul says. I have to speak to you like I'm speaking to someone of the flesh, someone natural, Paul says. You're like a 10-month-old who who can't be truly reasoned with with true wisdom. I'll try to give you an example. For a Christian who you are in fellowship with, someone in your life group, someone in your church, someone who's a friend, maybe your spouse, if they come and rebuke you via the Word of God and you do not respond with some amount of, 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 of contrition, some amount of, okay, I, I want to repent and turn away from this sin, even when it's clearly laid out in the Bible. I want to be very clear. Paul is saying you're acting like a baby. He's saying you're being a baby. Because if you're not responding to correction from the Word of God, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit, then I can't address you as like someone who is spiritual. Because those who are spiritual, when they are addressed with the Word of God, there's a, there's a response, right? You, you, we don't see the Word of God and go on unaffected, by it. Paul's saying you're being a baby. You're unfazed by, 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 by wisdom from God himself, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It, it is brought to you. It, it confronts you. You're like a 10-month-old who just no matter what you're told, you just continue running around putting dirty stuff in your mouth and tearing stuff up. He says, I can't even address you as someone who is spiritual. If you can't be rebuked and respond well to a church member or whoever, he's saying you're immature in the faith. You're like an infant. Maybe it's not someone rebuking you uh, straight towards you in a very specific and personal way. Maybe it's the preaching of the word of God. Maybe, Maybe you come in and you hear the preaching of God's word over and over again and you leave completely unfazed. I hear God's word, God's word preached. It doesn't have an effect on me. I just continue doing everything that I would have done had not the word of God been preached to me on a consistent basis. He said, I can't even address you as a spiritual person. I can't address you as someone who's being led by the Holy Spirit. I got to address you the same way I would address someone who doesn't even know the Lord. Paul says, he says, you're being a baby. This is an encouragement from Paul for the church there at Corinth to grow up. 
to understand that, yeah, we, we, we respond to the wisdom of God. Or maybe if we're a people who makes decisions the same way as people make decisions who don't know Jesus. And I'm talking about major life decisions. I'm talking about things, things might uh, be pertaining to where, big decisions like where you're going to live, uh, who you're going to marry, who you're going to date, these, these big type of decisions. Do you make those decisions in a way that's exactly identical to someone who doesn't know Jesus? As you're considering where, where you're going to live, right? Because we're in, and I, I got to touch on this. I'm not saying that people uh, in this church necessarily are doing it wrong, but it's something that has to be touched on because the millennial generation moves more than anybody else, right? Nobody moves like the millennial generation. Generally about three or four years in a place, then we out and we're going somewhere else. As a church, I'm not saying we can't move. I'm not saying God doesn't call us to other places. What I'm saying is, are we going through this process in a way that's distinct as Christians and seeking the Holy Spirit and seeking the Lord and praying through this and submitting to him and what he has for us? Or is it just, oh, more money, I'm gone. Or is it, it's more comfortable, I'm gone. Or is it, I'm tired of, of this thing or whatever, I'm going. I'm talking major life decisions. Oh, He's cute. She's pretty. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be with her. It's like, is, is there prayer? Is there, is there a dependence on the Holy Spirit and his leading and his guiding? And Paul would say, if not, you're being a baby. You have the very wisdom of God that is held before us in the Bible, in the word of God. And Paul says, I can't even talk to you like you're a Christian. I can't even talk to you like you're somebody because when I bring up the word of God, you're unfazed. It does nothing for you. It's a scary place. That's a scary place if the people of God are there. When someone sins against you, how do you respond? Do you respond as one who is led by the Spirit of God? Do you respond exactly the way that someone would respond if they do not know the Lord? Somebody in your church, somebody in your family, your parents, your friends, someone in your life group, how do you respond? Is your response distinctly biblical, showing that we are led by the Holy Spirit? Do we just go with a cold shoulder because that's what we're used to doing? Do we respond specifically out of malice, out of rage? When you set your budget, is the kingdom of God a priority for you? Does, does your budget reflect the fact that you, you, that you are, in fact, spiritual, that you are led by the Spirit of God? I'm not just talking about giving to the church. Many things that, can, that you can give to for the edification of God's kingdom. If we approach all these different scenarios the exact same way that someone would approach it that does not know God, Paul is saying, you're, you're a baby. I can't, I, don't, I can't even address you the way that I should be able to. Uh, in, in, in chapter 3, uh, in verse 4, Paul is describing some of the specific immaturity that, that he's seeing with the Corinthian church. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, he says, are you not being merely human? So that's another way of referring to you. You're, you're a person and you're just leaning on man-made wisdom. You're not, you're not leaning on the Holy Spirit. He's pointing out that they have this over-reliance on specific, specific leaders that are in the church. And their over-reliance on the leaders that are in the church reveals a lack of reliance on the Holy Spirit, actually. Because they're separated and divided. One saying, no, we, we, we follow Paul over here. I don't know what Apollos we're talking about. And someone like, no, we follow Apollos. Another saying, we follow Peter. And Paul is saying we receive wisdom from the Holy Spirit, that God himself is ultimately who leads and guides us. And there are Christians today, obviously, who depend way too much on pastors and preachers and leaders in the church. It's like it's the only time you feed on God's word when someone stands up here and preaches. 
Like that's the only time you feed on God's word. Babies are the only, infants are the only ones who need things fed to them all the time. After you grow up and you're no longer an infant, you start feeding yourself. You can no longer depend on someone else to feed you all the time if you are mature. Only infants only feed on, only rely on other people to be fed. These, this Corinthian church was relying so much on these leaders, it was causing division. I think for some of us in, in, in our church, like if it's not for a preacher here on Sundays and then your life group leader uh, in the middle of the week, it's like, I don't even know if you ever open your Bible. Like, I don't even know if we would ever spend time meditating on the Word of God and actually feeding ourselves. Paul says we're, we're infants, we're, we're babies, we're immature. This over-reliance on these other leaders shows that there's not a day-to-day reliance on the Holy Spirit of God. Shows that there's not a day-to-day reliance on the wisdom and the feeding that we are now enabled to do. And for some of us, the, pro- the main problem is that maybe we don't know how to study the Bible, so it's intimidating. For some of us, it's like, no, you know how to do it. You just don't. No, you know how to feed on the Word of God. You just, we just don't. We just, there's other things that maybe, maybe there's, there's, there's entertainment that's just like, well, I got entertainment on my phone every second of the day. Like, I can always find something else. Oh, excuse me. I can always find something else to do. Or maybe there's just other, other things, other people we're more committed to that fill up that extra space that we have in our days that we, can actually, that we actually get to choose what we do and when we do it. Might we be a people that rely on the Holy Spirit seven days a week, not just for an hour and some change on Sundays, not just maybe on Tuesday or whenever your life group meets, but that we seek him. Understanding that only infants are those that just sit and wait for someone to feed them all the time. An encouraging story about some maturity that I've seen in the church. I just want to call out a brother real quick. A couple months ago, I got a phone call from a brother named Jamal. I don't know if y'all know Jamal. <laughs> We've actually played phone tag quite a few times. We were trying to keep up. He didn't give up. He kept reaching out to me, so he, he called me. or Somehow we got in touch on my way home from work. And Jamal was like, hey, Ant, man, I've been studying Hebrews, and I feel like I need to serve more, so how can I serve? What, what, what does our church need help? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that is what the, that is what maturity looks like, right? So when, when my boys who are five years old who are no longer infants, when they start coming to me and being like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to serve in this way, I'm like, okay, that is maturity, right? Infants not doing that. Infants are focused on self all the time. I was like, this was a, a mature move because for many people, if we just being honest, for many people, if somebody don't ask you to serve, you ain't serving or doing nothing. Like, for a lot of people, it's like if somebody ain't coming to you and saying, hey, this is a need that we have, but to come forward and say, I want to serve my family because I have been in the word of God, because I have been in the word of God, and now I want to serve in these ways of saying, hey, I'm looking for the Holy Spirit to lead me in this life as I go through this life. Being motivated by the spirit of God, which inspires the word of God, that moves the people of God to walk in maturity and in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. That's maturity. Some of y'all were with us on family vacation. We had a little open mic uh, joint. And, and I don't know how many of y'all remember what Meredith Hassel did at that, at that open mic situation. She got up and she was like, uh, I'm going to recite the book of Philippians chapters 1 and 2. And I was like, verses 1 and 2? She was like, chapters 1 and 2. And I was like, off the dome? Like, just, on, just, just, from, just, just from memory. And proceeded to model maturity and model a life of self-discipline for our whole church as she recited the first two chapters 
of the book before us. I was like, that's maturity right there. That's when you take initiative and you say, I am going to study. I'm going to put myself before the word of God. I am going to spend time and I'm going to feed off of it myself. I don't have to wait for somebody else to kind of break it down for me and spoon feed it to me or spoon feed it to me every day. I'm going to put time into this myself. And I was so grateful for that model for our church. So grateful. Now, the ability that she has just to meditate on God's word, even if a Bible isn't around, I was so blessed by it. That is maturity. Here's what I want to do. If you're you're here and you're like, I want to grow in this maturity, right? This maturity is what I want. It's what I desire. Like, I want to be after this. I'm noticing that I'm immature. I'm behaving like an infant in many ways. What do I do? I want to point you to a couple verses that we've already been to today. First is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Sorry, we actually hit this one last week. Paul says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If you desire to be changed, if you desire to to, to grow in holiness, to grow in in Christian maturity and being led by the Spirit of God, we know that the power to do that is found in the word of the cross of Jesus. That the good news of the gospel that Jesus came, that he he died in our place and he he rose again on the third day, and that he's coming back for us as his people, is the message that the Holy Spirit empowers to transform us and grow us up in our faith. This is why Paul said in in, in verses 1 and 2 that I read earlier today, he says, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was laboring for their maturity in their faith. He he was laboring for their growth. And he said, I had one song. It was the cross of Jesus Christ. And I gave it to you over and over and over again. And if you're here and you're like, I need to grow. I want to grow in my faith. And you get your eyes and your mind and your heart on the the glorious message of the cross of Jesus every single day. And that is the path that leads us to maturity. That we look at the cross and we say, well, I, I see the forgiveness that Christ offers for me. So now I, I, I am empowered through the Holy Spirit to forgive those who sin against me. Where I see the patience of Jesus as he, as he died on the cross for our sins. I see as he, he continued to, to suffer, but he didn't let that stop him from what the Father had called him to do. And, we, and as we see that, we're inspired by his patience to continue on in patience ourselves. That when we see that he is coming back for us as his people to deliver us from this world of sin and take us to heaven on earth. We're inspired with courage and the ability to endure, even in times when it seems hopeless in this world. Paul says, I decided to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And the path to growth as believers is that we would, metaphorically speaking, know nothing but Christ and him crucified. That we would seek to know that first and foremost. That we would meditate on that day and night. That might look like you spending time in the Word. That might look like you finding songs that just remind you and allow you to meditate on and rejoice in the goodness of the cross of Jesus. Whatever that looks like to you, if you want to see this growth, this maturity happen in your life, if you want to know what a life looks like that's truly led by the Spirit, then we look to the one that the Holy Spirit came to point us to, and that's Jesus Christ. And we find him in his Word as we meditate on the Word of the cross. Let me pray for us, and then we'll... We'll sing a little bit more together. Father, we're grateful this morning for your word. We're grateful for your spirit that you send to us to to lead us and to guide us. Father, we need your spirit and your presence in our lives day by day. Father, would you convict us? Would you make us a people that don't 
just spend time in your word on Sundays or don't just uh, lean on you and seek to learn from you on Sundays or when someone else is teaching us? Would you grow us up into maturity and make us a people, Father, that depend on you seven days a week, all the time, more than we depend on anyone else, more than we depend on anything else, and that we ask that you would use that to grow us up into maturity as your church. Father, we need you to do it. So we don't have the power to do it on our own, but we know that your spirit does, that you are powerful and strong enough to transform us. And it's in Christ's name we pray.